0: Hello and welcome to the Cut to the Race podcast. We 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 did hint it in the last episode, but we are going to be talking about someone very dominant today. And um will his dominance continue? Is this the most dominant era we have ever seen in F one? From Max Verstappen, here to talk about this with me is Abby. How are you today, Abby?
1: I'm good, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm good. The work does continue at Formula Nerds HQ, so if you hear banging, drilling, um, and all that type of thing, I apologise. It is what it is. James, how are you? I'm
2: all right, but uh, I'm, I'm as I'm sure you both are as well. Missing Sam, who is uh, on a US road trip, just uh, to let the the, the listener know. Uh, so
0: hopefully he's listening as well. He will be. He'll be listening from the USA. So hope you're enjoying yourself, Sam. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Um, so James, this is something you wanted to talk about. Is this the most dominant era of F1 we've ever seen? Do you want to give us an intro to what you think about this era compared to maybe the Hamilton era, the, the Lewis era? Well, yeah, this has kind of come from some
2: comments by the Liberty Media CEO uh, Greg Maffey, I believe. I've never actually heard his name out loud. I'm just guessing how to pronounce it's it. Maffey, uh, <laughs> Maffey. Okay. yeah. I mean that that would be the French way, so I'll, I'll say it like that. But no, he he has said that he's admitted that Max's current dominance is difficult for F1 and for Liberty Media, and you know, F1 in general has been trying to kind of put a positive spin on it I think you know going oh look you know can he do it can he do it can he break this record whatever else and obviously there has been the interest of can he break the record I think now he's done it and he's got that 10 in a row you kind of go okay you can't really you can't go oh can he extend it like no one cares (laughs) like what's the difference between 10 in a row and 11 in a row so from here I think yeah you can see why Liberty Media are looking at this compared to 2021 where they had the box office battle at the front and last year it looked like it was going to be obviously fizzled out in the end as Red Bull kind of stretched their legs and Ferrari fumbled their chance but we'll we'll come back to whether it's good or bad I think for for F1 but yeah to answer your actual question it's it's the level of dominance is it the most dominant ever I think over a single season definitively yes now and I think Red Bull probably will. And we we spoke about this earlier in the season whether they could win every race. And I think I said something will get in the way. It always does. You know, with the McLarens of '88, it was uh Schlesser, the uh the pay driver to link back to what we were talking about last episode, crashing into Senna in the various Mercedes years of dominance. There was always something. There was the crazy 2020 Italian Grand Prix when they were dominant and they called Lewis into the the pits when the pit lane was closed and that they never really got that close to winning every race. But I think Red Bull are operating at such a high level as is Max now. I think they could do it. And I, I think if this continues up to the new regulations, this is going to be definitively the most dominant era.
0: Yeah, and I think if we... Let, let's start by looking at the the definition of dominance, right? It is power and influence over others. Um, I see, you know, that we, we can look back at when Hamilton was dominating in that Mercedes. It didn't feel like, you know, with, with with 10 wins in a row, that is just, you know what you're going to see when you tune in, right? That that to me is far more what dominance means over, you know, yes, he won every other race in a season, but a block of 10 is just literally, you know, I was talking to my neighbour the other day and they said, oh, i stopped watching it this season now because he's just winning everything. And I, f- I feel like that's, that, that's sad because you can look at it as, you're you're watching a man you know operating at the highest level, and that's ultimately why you watch f one. but the fact that it's putting people off the sport, i think is is what the problem is. and you know if less people are watching it, less money's gonna be made I, I I did see this um this article where they were saying that it's a, you know, it's a problem. Liberty Media were saying that. But they also countered it by saying, oh yeah, all the social media numbers are going up, up and up and up. But that will turn. And I think Drive to Survive is now a key to keeping everyone, um, you know, interesting and there being some sort of something else to talk about. Well, they've got
2: the, the younger generation through Drive to Survive, obviously, as we know. But people talk about the the attention span of people who've grown up with tiktok and you know short form entertainment and sitting down and watching a two-hour race when you know probably what the result is going to be you can see why it could potentially be problematic when it comes down to it yes sport is sport and it should always be fair and the best person and the best team should win but it is entertainment and that's why we all obsess over it and spend our time talking about it and watching it and if the entertainment if you know how a film is going to end you're probably not going to bother watching it if someone spoils it for you and that's kind of how it feels at
0: the moment unless it's like one of the Christopher Nolan films where you need to watch it eight times to actually work <laughs> out what happened like Inception or something like yeah, that hopefully this is a, a long con and
2: actually Max was uh, in a dream world and he's not actually won every race yeah <laughs>
0: um but i think the 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 drive to survive timing right where it came out and then we had that 2021 season um it was just the perfect timing to get all these new fans into the sport but like you said james attention span uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna become a problem abby what's what's your thoughts on it i mean do you think do you think this is a problem do you still enjoy f1 the same way that you did when you didn't know who was going to win
1: I must admit I enjoy it less now because it it is predictable that Max is going to win. And that's not an issue that Red Bull and Max are dominating like this. I think the main problem is there's no competition, like, whatsoever. Even his teammate can't challenge him. And I think that's the main thing. If Max is on pole from, like, even from the Saturday, you know that he's likely to win. And no car is as competitive as the Red Bull car. And I think that's the letdown that it's a walk in the park for him in some ways. And I can see why people think it is boring and predictable and may stop watching it. But there's still so much going on during the races. And we saw that at Monza. There were so many battles in the rest of the field and that has been the case for a lot of the races this season if you look at the midfield there are some really good battles there and with Max's record and that like you say James he's won it now he's made the record made history no one's really gonna be that interested in whether he wins 11 or 12 13 in a row but I think it is everyone just needs to take a step back and look at what Red Bull and Max have achieved. And yes, it may not be what you want to see, but it's excellent. And they're so consistent and they've done amazingly this season. It's something to like be proud of and be like, okay, so this is possible for a team to do this and not just be like, oh yeah, okay. Max has won everything. I don't really like Red Bull as a team. So I'm just going to stop watching. It's something to be proud of within the sport.
2: No, it and like, like I said, I think in the race review recently, you have to take your hat off to, to them. That's all you can do. But I think that is the difference. Like you say about, uh, you know, the lack of challenge from a teammate, the comparable eras that you could compare this to were probably, yeah, the McLarens of the 80s and you had Senna and Prost going head-to-head, which was incredible and, you know, one of the best battles of all time in F1. Then you go to, uh, were the Williams with dominant uh, but obviously Nigel Mantle had one season, Prost had one season and and it started to get it up again. Then obviously Schum- Schumacher and Ferrari, that's probably the closest, I think, that in comparison to this, where you knew that Barrichello, as good as he was, couldn't really take it to, to Michael Schumacher, also wasn't allowed to quite a lot of the time on the days where he could. And the only thing there though, was that there was less reliability. So, you did get more mixed up results occasionally because cars failed more often. Whereas now it's so bulletproof. Yeah. There's just less jeopardy in general. And I mean, people talk about the Mercedes dominance, like it was relentless, but I think there's a a bit of hindsight that, uh, you know, not 2020 hindsight that goes on there where if you were actually watching every race over those seven years, yes, they won it seven years in a row, eight years with the constructors. But, 14 to 16 was Lewis and Nico, which was pretty box office as well. People like to just forget that the Ferrari was the better car for periods of 2017 and 18. And we had Lewis and Seb, which was another great battle. 2019 even, they had the rocket ship illegal engine, which made it interesting at points. And Red Bull could get in in the mix. 2020 was probably the most dominant season Mercedes had. But even then, we had just a bunch of crazy races kind of by chance. Uh, I think that's, that's it. I think Red Bull and for that reason this max red bull combo is and will be probably
0: for the next 2 years the most dominant we've ever seen yes yeah, so i guess there's is it you know is it the team dominating or is it the driver dominating and i think we saw that with mercedes it was it was the team dominating with red bull it is but you've got perez who uh, potentially isn't performing. I mean, uh, to quote Perez, he said the the level of which Max is driving is extreme, um, and it's something that's quite hard to see as a teammate. So we know it's Max, essentially, with the right machinery.
3: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
0: found quite uh, an interesting comparison shout out to our friends over at planet f1 um they did a, uh, a feature essentially on hamilton versus verstappen and the key stats after eight seasons um so after eight seasons hamilton was 30 years old uh, verstappen was 25 that's the first thing to say um each of them both had two world championships at this point um Verstappen had more wins, only just. uh, He had 35 wins and Hamilton had 33. Poles. Now, this is the interesting one. By this point, after eight seasons, Hamilton had 38 pole positions. Verstappen only 20. Um, And that tells you that Max Verstappen doesn't need pole to win, doesn't it? Um, Because they're so close on the wins. Um, He's won more Charles Leclerc poles than Charles has, right? I think (laughs) is the start. Yeah, well, exactly. So... Actually, if you're putting this together, it it th- those stats, and okay, there's so many variables in this conversation, but it would lean towards Verstappen being the more impressive driver um, over his first eight seasons, right? It's always, I mean, the, yeah, like you said, there's so much
2: context to, to be put into stats like that. Uh, I mean, yeah, Red Bull have historically set up their car more for the race day. They, that's why they have quite often not quite got pole because they were better at passing, whereas Mercedes knew their car was really bad in dirty air. So they made sure they got pole and then controlled from the front. So there's obviously an element of that when you look at those. I've always thought Lewis and Michael had an incredibly weirdly similar uh, kind of career path in that they had a couple of battles early on over. 708 for Lewis and 9495 for Michael. Then they had a year, uh, a few years where the car wasn't quite good enough to challenge, and then they had what basically five in a row, except for the fact that Nico nicked one. And I mean, they're almost exactly the same age. I think when they took their seventh title, and then unexpectedly challenged by a young up-and-coming driver, Alonso and Max. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And now it's I guess whether Lewis will continue on the same career path and and retire with seven.
0: I mean, yeah, we're opening a different can of worms here. Obviously he won't because he's just signed another two year deal. So he wants, he he wants that eighth championship. Um, I mean, I I think going back to where we started, is this good for F1? Let's talk about that, Abby. I mean, let's just talk about people who we know outside of the formula nerds you know your family i know they they obviously they're big on f1 as well what are their thoughts as someone who might not live and breathe it like we do do they still sit down on a sunday as excited or is it well there's a barbecue happening we're going to go to that we're not going to cancel the barbecue type scenario
1: so my sister doesn't watch it she's not into sports apart from tennis so if lance Stroll goes and plays tennis you know she may start supporting him um (laughs) my parents are Hamilton fans and they do still sit down and watch it. We do watch nearly, well, I watch every session of the weekend. They watch qualifying and the race, but we are doing bits during the race. If it's not that exciting and they like it, but my dad, who is someone who has watched it for years, does find it more predictable and less entertaining as a fan because it is just so easy for max to win and this is what greg maffey has also said he said that liberty media's goal is to build a long-term healthy ecosystem and build a sport that has as much of some of the elements that the nfl has on any given sunday that anybody can win and i think that's what liberty media want ultimately at the end of the day they want f1 to be a sport where you can't predict who can win and any driver can win And obviously that's not going to be the case because some teams have more money and can, like, there's a big difference between like Mercedes and Williams, for example, but they want that competitiveness between the top teams and we're not getting that at the moment. So it is, it is less entertaining, but there's still so much as a fan of F1, which is ultimately a fan of racing that there's
2: still so much to enjoy as watching the grand prix I'm very similar in that yeah my mum is also a lewis hamilton fan has been watching since the 80s and and i was spoken to her and going, oh you, you know it's the, the grand prix this weekend because i always remind her because she's not really on you know social media or anything uh and she said yeah yeah and she will watch but she just yeah she misses it and then like misses qualifying or something it's like ah, it doesn't matter I know what's going to be what's going to happen anyway so i think even for you know people who are pushing 70 it's not just we talk about the younger generation and attention span i think and that could be yeah what is the problem i almost wonder like this is a topic for another day but whether liberty media will or should push it closer to being a spec series obviously you know that's that's a a massive topic of debate and but it would make it a more level playing field and is probably the answer to what they want. It's ironic that they tried to bring in these new regulations to level up the, the playing field and ended up with, yeah, maybe the most dominant season ever. Whereas if we got something like F2 where, uh, it's pretty much the same but you can still see that the teams can operate at a different level maybe get a bit of both but yeah we'll talk about that on another podcast
0: well I I mean I do think it's an interesting debate because um, I was reading or listening to something um, of one of the engineers in F1 and he, he was saying that the 2022 spec cars have less um essentially less custom customization that you can do there's less freedom to go and um you know come up with something game changing to get that advantage that you could do but you know back in the day um and i guess the idea was to close the field I and mean, we know that was half the idea but even in terms of the car design and things like that and it still hasn't worked because there's still such dominance so will we see something like that happen in 26? Um, and then, obviously, you've al- you've always got the commercial rights holders, which are uh, Liberty Media, fighting against the FIA, who uh, don't really care who wins. They just want everything to be done as they say it. So there's always going to be, I think, that battle. Um, going back to sort of how our f- how our family uh, view it, because it's an interesting case study. My dad did, never watched F1, doesn't like it, doesn't care about it. But he does call me every Sunday and go, Verstappen won again, didn't he? So it's actually interesting that <laughs> the dominance has filtered through to non-fans where they actually just go, ah, oh, Verstappen beat Hamilton, ah, oh, Verstappen beat him. And the view is that Hamilton's completely lost it and now Verstappen's the guy for, for a non-F1 fan. So it, I think it's interesting to see that that sort of the perception of F1 and maybe what you just see on Sky Sports News or, or whatever um, and how people view the sport. But I, I think ultimately um, dominance is never a, a, a great thing for F1. It's just going to be who's going to be the next guy to to challenge Max. And uh, that's going to be my final question for you guys today. Abby, when it closes up, who will be the guy to take the next world championship? Or girl?
1: That's really difficult to answer. Um... I don't know. I think
0: I mean none of us know, but who would you guess? <laughs> Inception.
1: Well, see, it depends, doesn't it? On on where drivers end up. Because if in a few years, if like Max wins, well, this year, obviously. Um and if he wins like next year, and then 2025 say, and then it gets to 2026, if you have drivers switching teams, if Ferrari changed their lineup or Lando Norris decides to leave McLaren or something, then it like opens a whole other can of worms and just makes it a lot more difficult. Um, I'm I'm still gonna say Lewis Hamilton because I think he definitely wants that eighth title, and I think he will do anything to get that eighth title, and Mercedes will help him get that, and then I think he'll retire once he's got that. But I think it will be Mercedes and Hamilton whilst other constructors work their way to improve to then be able to fight in the new regulations.
0: That's in- interesting. Okay, so w- one vote for Hamilton, James. So do you think we'll take uh, take Max's crown?
2: I still think the the most likely long-term rival to, to Max is Shell. I think he has... Points to iron out. But in terms of raw pace, I think he's he's the best match for Max. Lando could prove to be up there as well. He's, you know, becoming a teammate destroyer uh, with, you know, surpassed everyone's expectations, smashing Daniel. And and George has done very well against Lewis over the, that time. I think they're the obvious candidates, those three. Maybe even Oscar. You know, we've seen how well he's done in his debut season. But I think Max and Charles still, to me, feels like the next obvious rivalry of the generation if yeah Charles can iron out some of his mistakes and ferrari can sort themselves out or he leaves so i will say Charles.
0: yeah it is weird that you know certainly for me ferrari don't even you just think well they've had so many chances to do it and they've buggered it up each time um so, yeah, I mean, I I feel like Hamilton's got another one in him. I'm not sure if he'll be next, but I've always thought Lando. Um, but this year, having seen Piastri, I, you know, who knows? And obviously there's so many variables. But, yeah, if I had to pick one, I'll go with Hamilton. will probably take that crown back. Well, let us know who you think will take the crown back. What do you think of Max Verstappen's dominance? And um, how long will it last? You can email us, info at FormulaNerds.com or hit us up on X used to be called Twitter um, or Facebook but uh, until the next time we've got the race coming up but um, Abby thank you very much
1: thank you for having me as always
2: and James thank you sir thank you and here's to uh, someone other than Max winning uh, (laughs) uh, so we can talk about something else in a few days time
0: (laughs) one can uh, one can wish but we will uh, yeah see you then goodbye you're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go!
3: Sports Social Podcast Network. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit. That made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is where are you taking them?